Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so glad that you're here. Grab your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, so glad that you are here today. Welcome not only to those of you joining us here in the sanctuary, but also those of you that are in Auditorium 2. Maybe you're joining us online or by way of television or through the podcast. So glad that you are here today. We started a new series last week that we are calling all to you, and it's our opportunity to talk about some things that God shows us in Matthew chapter 6 that he wants us to know ultimately are a part of what we give to, that are a part of our relationship with him as we do this. So do you you remember, uh, they're they're still around, kind of not as big as they used to be. They've had a lot of different names, but basically those big boy restaurants, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you with me? This is good. I, I shouldn't say this out loud, but the last service had that daylight savings hangover. And you already seem to be a little more... 8.15-y. So this is good. This, this is, we'll see if you get to 10 o'clock, but this is good. This is good, right? So you remember those big boy restaurants? <clears throat> and you'd, you'd, you'd know they were there because they had the statue out in front of them of the big boy, right? Yeah, all right, you're with me. And then you see the idol out in front, and you go in and worship the burger. You know what I'm talking about, right? When I was a little kid, I had a bank that looked like the big boy. Like it was a plastic bank that was shaped like him. Did anybody, does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like you can find them online. You can still, you still get them. I had one of these. It was made out of this like nasty, heavy plastic. It was really kind of nasty. And when I was a kid, if I ever got loose change, I would drop it in this bank. And I was sure that that bank contained my future. Right? I thought it was loaded. I thought it had <clears throat> excuse me, so much value. I remember as a kid thinking, looking at that little big boy sitting on my dresser, that's how I'm going to pay for college. Like I remember this. And I think that stayed in my head, even into high school. Like, like I, stuck, I didn't want it in my room when I was older, but it was up on a shelf in my closet because I thought, that has a lot of value in there. And I remember one day we finally, it was like this real heavy plastic. I think we had to cut it open. Like, it didn't even have a, a trap door or anything. You had to kind of do surgery on big boy just to see what was inside of him. And so we did an exploratory surgery. It's this real heavy, nasty plastic. So all the coins that were in there got real sticky and nasty over time. They stuck together. You had to, like, pull them apart. And the really bad news is there was very little money in there whatsoever. <laughs> so I had hung on to this thing that I thought had incredible worth, only to find out that it was actually very messy and didn't have the value I was giving to it. That's a lot of our relationship with money. It gets a little messy. For some of us, our experience with money has been kind of sticky. And oftentimes, we give it a whole lot more worth than what it really has. So we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is teaching us what life is like in his kingdom. And, last, and what he's doing, we'll see this as we go along. He's trying to show you, here are some things that if you're not careful, they will keep you from enjoying the benefits that I want to give to those who are part of my kingdom. I want to bless my followers. I have a good, stable, healthy, vibrant life for you, but look out for the things that can rob you of that. 
And so last week, we looked at some of those things and we talked about hypocrisy. Remember that? How the hypocrites give, how they pray, how they fast. And we looked at how we don't want to let the hypocrites get us down. Anybody remember that? This week, he's going to shift from hypocrisy and he's not going to talk to the hypocrites. Today, he's going to talk to materialists and he's going to talk to us about one of our all-time favorite subjects to talk about in church, money. He's going to give us these maxims, kind of short little statements that have worked their way not just into the way we talk about things in the church, but even into our whole culture in different ways. And when we read what he says here, now Jesus is primarily focusing on money. These things will apply to a lot of other areas in our lives. He kind of breaks this message down into three paragraphs. We're going to look at these three paragraphs that cause us to ask some questions of ourselves. So today we're going to look at three questions about money. Today we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about three questions about money. Let's jump right in. Matthew chapter six, beginning with verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as we look at what Jesus is teaching us today, here's the first question that comes to our mind. Number one, where is your treasure? Number one, first thing for us to consider, where is your treasure? This is the question that Jesus asks. Where have you put your treasure? Where have you put what is of value in your life? Where have you put what really matters? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? Where is your treasure? Here's why. Here's what he says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he says, be wise about where you put it, because if your treasure is earthly treasure, he talks about how moths and vermin will come and destroy it. How many of you use the word vermin on a daily basis? (laughs) No, not me either. And some Bible versions, instead of saying moths, they say rust. Anybody familiar with that? So, So what are we talking about here? Well, the word for moth or rust, depending on how it's translated, has at its core something that eats away at something. So in the same way that rust corrodes things of value, in the same way that moths will come in, and especially in the first century would come in and eat the clothing and destroy things, in the way that vermin like rats or mice or worms come in and destroy things. Have you ever, you ever gone out to your garage or shed and found that the mice got into the bird seed? Anybody? Have you ever seen open something up and you thought it was good and instead there was something nasty inside of it? We'll just say mold instead of worms because worms is just too nasty to admit in church. Amen? But you see something that comes in and destroys it. This is the picture that Jesus is painting for us here. And he highlights something. He says, he says be careful that you don't set up treasure for yourself. He talks about treasure for yourself. He's dealing right at our own hearts, kind of our own selfish ambition. And here's what he's saying. Earthly treasure is an insecure investment. Like if you talk to your financial planner and they said, well, let's take a lot of your money and put it in an insecure investment, how would you feel about that? (laughs) Not much of a planner. Jesus says, look, if, if you're building a treasure on earth, your earthly treasure is an insecure investment, which, which brings us to a point where maybe we need to give a little corrective on what he's talking about here. Because depending on your faith background, maybe what you've heard about the church, maybe even the church you grew up in, you might have some ideas 
that you think are scriptural about money that really aren't. Like one of the things we think about wealth sometimes is that it's a bad thing. And here's what we see in scripture. Wealth is not always bad. Sometimes we like to just throw it that anytime that anybody has money, anytime they have some wealth, that that's a bad thing. And that's not what scripture teaches us. Scripture does not say that it's wrong to have earthly possessions. In fact, in some ways this is just the opposite. There is no ban on possessions in scripture, right? You don't see that. And yet there's some faith traditions that elevate poverty to a place in their practice that scripture does not. Scripture also tells us that we're wise to save for a rainy day. So be wise about your investments. Be strategic about your retirement. Do good things looking to the future with the resources that you have. Have you read in Proverbs about the ant and how the ant is celebrated because the ant works and goes and stores up so the ant has resource so they're ready for the winter season when they can't gather in the same way? Have you ever seen that in Scripture? Like that's a good picture. That's an honored picture. So wealth isn't always bad. It's, it's good for us to save up. And this is, this is also true in Scripture. The Bible tells us that God gives us good things from our Creator that we are to enjoy. Sometimes God will allow blessings to come into our lives because he wants us to enjoy those blessings. Aren't you thankful for that? So like wealth is not always a bad thing. Having possessions, making provision for the future, enjoying the gifts that the creator has given to us, those aren't bad things. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 15, verse six. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. So in that verse, it's, it's not the treasure that's the issue, it's the heart. It's the wicked and it's the righteous. And this is what we're gonna see through this. So on the one hand, wealth is not always bad. On the other hand, wealth is not always blessing. See, some of us have been taught that if God blesses us, it will show up in our bank account. That blessing comes to us because God is going to give us wealth. And scripture even shows that not everybody that is wealthy is righteous, true? <laughs> and it also shows us that God is not obligated to bless us. Some of you may have heard or come from a background. Sometimes we use terminology like, like word of faith or we use terminology like um, a, a, a prosperity gospel. That the idea that is if you just believe the right way and you just say the right things, then God owes you something. And the reality is that's not scriptural either. It's not that you just have enough faith and then God has to bless you. So these are some things we need to change in our idea about money. Wealth is not always bad, and wealth is not always blessing. The reality is what Jesus wants us to see here is that an earthly treasure is insecure, but a heavenly treasure is a secure investment. When we invest in the things that God values, the things that will last forever, We have made a secure investment. What's the difference? We'll get to that in a moment, but here's what I want you to see first. Here's the whole point that Jesus does not want you to miss. You must guard what you make your treasure. He's asking, where's your treasure? And you need to guard your heart and guard what you make your treasure. Jesus isn't calling out wealth here. He is calling out in that day and time, and I think today as well, extravagant living. He's calling out a hard-heartedness that does not see that if God blesses you, he may want to do that so that you can be a blessing to others. 
when we hold on to it all for ourselves, when we have this fantasy that our life just consists of the things that we own, those are the times when we've taken our eyes off of where our treasure should be and placed it on our resource. We've placed it on our money and ultimately on ourselves. Proverbs 10.2 says, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, this is key to think about. Where is your treasure? Why? Because your heart will follow your treasure. Whatever the thing is that you give great value to, whatever the thing is that you treasure, that you hold on to in that way, no matter what you tell yourself, your heart will always follow your treasure. So if your treasure is just on earth, then your heart is going to be bound to those earthly treasures, and your earthly activities have eternal consequences. Your earthly activities, you see this all throughout scripture. The things that you and I do today have consequences for eternity. Why is this important? Because for some of us, we make decisions, let's just talk money, because that's what Jesus is talking here. We make decisions with our money, and we make it our treasure, and things come our way that we think we want or we think we need, and we're willing to buy into the, the, the untruth, the lie, if you will, that this earthly treasure is what matters, and as a result, we sell ourselves short. We give in to earthly treasure, and we miss out on heavenly treasure, which is a really bad investment. Any, uh, any Superman fans in the room? Nobody ever wants to admit this. I'm all for truth, justice in the American way. Anybody else? Right? So Superman, comic book hero, movies, cartoons, the whole bit, right? Goes back to the 1930s. Two dudes from Cleveland actually dreamed up the idea of Superman. They were in this kind of comic world. And they took the idea, kind of the intellectual property of Superman, and sold it to the company that would eventually become DC Comics, right? They sold it in 1938 for $130. They gave DC Comics Superman's rights for $130. Now that was about $3,000 in today's money. So not a bad deal, definitely not a good deal, right? That franchise, Superman and what's come out of him, worth billions, billions. The check that DC Comics gave to these two dudes for $130 to buy the rights to Superman, just the old canceled check a couple of years ago sold for $160,000 at auction. <laughs> the check is worth more now than the money they got then. And these guys spent the rest of their lives like fighting this, trying to get something out of it, never fooling, getting their value because at some point they placed value on something in a moment and did not see the long-term value it would have if they had treasured it differently. And the world will like to offer you all kinds of things. It seemed like a good deal in the moment. And we place our trust in things that we think are super in that time, only to find out later that we got ripped off. How you treasure things makes all the difference. Jesus said it this way, uh, Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So, so my question to you is, is your treasure in a secure place? Like, wh where do you place your treasure? Where do you place your value? 
And this, this digs in just a little bit deeper and a little further because sometimes we can have a tendency to treasure our blessings. Like God blesses us with resources. You realize that everything you have comes from him, right? I only ask you that because I have to remind myself on a regular basis. <laughs> everything I have comes from him. My money, my job, my family, my identity. It all comes from him. And when he gives us blessings, we are to enjoy those blessings. We're to value those blessings. But if the blessings become our treasure, then we start to have a problem. Because what I'll do is I'll treasure my blessings more than I treasure the blesser. Anybody? Like I'll begin to make my attachment about the things I have and not the one who gave them to me so that my money becomes my treasure or, or my job becomes my treasure or my relationships become my treasure. And then when any of that changes, I start to freak out because I forget that the only reason I have that treasure is because of the blesser that gave it to me in the first place. And what happens is when we focus on our blessings instead of our blesser, the blessings become an idol in our lives. And your treasure can become a trap if you make it an idol. When your family becomes your idol, when your bank account becomes your idol, when you start to focus on those things that you didn't get in the first place, like your blesser gave you those things. So we thank him for the blessings and we live out those blessings to the fullest, but we can't make them our treasure because he's our treasure. Our treasure comes from him. Does that make sense on Daylight Saving Sunday? <laughs> Here's part of it too. My blessings, they're not from me. I'm too broke to create those blessings. My blessings come from the provider. and He's the one that makes it happen. Amen. Ford Motor Company uh, submitted some patents lately and word got out about them. And I don't, I don't say this to uh, be mean to Ford. I think it's just a matter of time until all the, all the automakers do it. They've submitted a patent so that your cars will have technology so that if you ever are not making your car payments, they can go ahead and take over control of your car. Like the screen will have a little reminder that'll come up. I don't know how it's all gonna work, but a reminder will come up. It'll say, hey, by the way, don't forget your, your payment's past due. And then it's gonna come up and say, hey, loser, pay us now. I don't know if that's the exact words, but you got the idea, right? Then they'll have the capability to lock your car on weekends so that you can still get to work but not enjoy your car just for fun and eventually just shut you out so that you can't use your car. There's part of this technology that's being designed so that if you have a self-driving car, it could drive itself back to some other place and turn it in until you make things right. And we just go, are we living in the future? Yes, George Jetson, you are, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the world we're seeing. Now, look, I, I get it. I, I don't mean this to bash any automaker. I mean it to say a lot of us live our lives in that same way. And we think that we're the ones that are doing it, and we're the ones that are providing, but there's a check that's coming that's going to bounce when you write it. There's a bill that's coming due that you don't have the resource for. Because if you're the one who created the treasure, you don't have enough treasure to make it right. And eventually, that treasure is going to drive off and disappear. Because your earthly treasure is not secure. What matters is a heavenly treasure. And Jesus wants to know, friend, if you're part of my kingdom, where's your treasure? 
Which takes us to the second question we need to consider today. Let's go back to the text. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. This is the next paragraph. Jesus is building his teaching here. He says, now the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? There there was an idea in, in Greek thought that your eyes were actually like a lamp and that what you looked at, you actually kind of illuminated. Like that, that's what it allowed you to see and even others to see by where you put your attention. Jesus reverses that. He says, your eyes don't shine a light on the outside. Your eyes shine a light on what's going on on the inside. And he says, if you're looking at things that are healthy, it makes your body full of light. Now that's Jesus' word. Healthy, right? That's what he uses. So you can think about what are the things that you bring into your mind that you focus your attention on that are healthy. He says, but if you look at unhealthy things, that's when you obsess over things that just don't matter. It's when we let sin in. Jesus is even talking about when your focus is on your treasures, what it does is it brings something into your life that is unhealthy. So here's the question he's asking here. The second question to consider is not just where's your treasure, but number two, what is your focus? Second question would be, what what is your focus? What is it that in your life you are focusing on? Because Jesus says, and this, this is maybe the key statement here that he makes, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if what you are focusing on is bringing light or darkness into your life, what is it that you're focusing on? In the same way that how we look at things, how we view things, if you need glasses, wear them. If you need contacts, wear them. If it makes a difference how and what we bring into our lives and what we see in an earthly way, the same thing's true in a spiritual way. What you look at is either bringing light or darkness in, and depending on that, it's gonna affect the focus of your life and how your life moves forward. The other day I was driving, and I looked up, and the sun was back. Did anybody notice that? I was like, there you are, old friend. And I reached over and I put my sunglasses on. And it just, was, it just felt like you're doing something naughty when you're wearing your sunglasses, you know, because sun's out. And so I got out of the car and I walked in the building and I totally forgot to take them off. And it's one of those things where you walk in and go, oh, it's dark in here. And you realize, oh, I'm wearing my sunglasses and I got to take them off. And when I took them off, how I was looking became different. Have you ever worn your sunglasses in a building? Not because you're a rock star, but just on accident? Anybody? Right? If they're on, you don't see. Right. You take them off. Now you've got the brightness. Now you see. Now you know where you're at. Why? Well, the eye is the lamp of the body. And when you and I are letting unhealthy things in, and I think this can happen in degrees. When we start letting unhealthy things in, and especially as that builds in our lives, what happens is we stop seeing clearly what's the vision for your life? Like, what is it that you want? As you look ahead, maybe you're in your youthful days and you've got all kinds of big ideas. Maybe you're looking at the finish line and you're saying, how do I want to end? Maybe you've got dreams and plans and things you want to do and things maybe even you feel like God has put in your heart. But what's, what's your vision? Where do you focus And if you're focusing on earthly treasures, or if you're focusing on, what's Jesus' words, unhealthy things, 
then you can't expect to see clearly because what you're actually doing is letting darkness into your life. Know this, your vision will be shaped by what you value. So what's important to you, what you value, what you hold on to, that's gonna shape the way you see your future, the way you see your life, the way you see the world. And here's the reality, money's always gonna be involved. I mean, we would like to think that maybe we don't have to have some of these conversations, but you know, read the Gospels, Jesus talks about money a lot, doesn't he? Like the Bible talks about money a lot. There's a lot of things for us to talk about here, and the truth is we need money. Do any of you need money to live, yes or no? Okay, if you don't, catch me in the atrium. Because we need money to live. The church needs money to operate. The business that you are a part of needs money to survive. You run out of money, you run out of work. right? We need these things. So God says what's important is that you have a healthy biblical understanding of how this essential part of your life can either be a blessing or a drain on you as you look at these things. So there's some things that are probably good for us to consider. Here's, Here's one of them. Money will not make your problems go away. Some of us think, well, if we can just have enough, I'll be all right. Now, raise your hand if you'd like a little more. Anyone? Yeah, my hand's up. Right, Lord, if you want to bless me, bless me. But if I think that all of a sudden my problems are going to go away, that's not the way it works. Proverbs 11.28 says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Here's what the scriptures want us to know, that money is to be a tool and not a treasure. It's a way that God wants to work in our lives, and even even as much, it's a way that God wants to work through our lives. He wants to bless you, and as he blesses you, he wants that to be a conduit that through which he can use you to bless other people. That's the whole idea that we see in scripture, and we need to have a healthy idea of how money works, of how God works through money, of how this happens in our lives, In the process of this, and as we think at our focus, we have to know money's not gonna solve all your problems. In fact, in some ways, we've gotta be ready that sometimes it makes life more complicated. You know that money can affect your relationships, right? It can have a factor in how we interact with each other. Especially for those of you that are parents with young children, who have, I wanna be careful here how I say this because I don't know everyone's home or who's watching, especially those of you who have been paying the tooth fairy, are you with me? If any of you have been paying the tooth fairy, I've got some news for you. The price is going up. They just did a national survey. 2022, the average, the average was five bucks and 36 cents a tooth. (laughs) You think that's bad, it's gone up to 623 for the record. $6.23, that's the average price that the tooth fairy is charging right now. Are you with me? I'm being careful how I say this to avoid angry parents. 1998, it was $1.30. It's gone up 379%. And it usually matches the S&P, but the S&P's gone down 11% while the tooth fairies raised their prices by 16%. So, parents... Choose wisely, which is how your money can begin to affect your relationships. That's a little ha-ha. Except as a pastor, I get to stand with people on some of the best and some of the worst days of their lives. And I've watched families at weddings, and I've watched families at funerals, and I've watched families make big decisions, and the number of times 
that the issues that come up in those moments have something to do with money? Yeah, they, they, they stopped talking to me because of this. Or yeah, we don't get along because of that. The number of times that a couple will walk into my office over the years and say, Pastor, we're having some marital issues. Yeah, what's going on? It's usually not the root, but the symptom. The first thing that comes up that kind of gets the blood boiling has something to do with the checking account. If we're not careful, and if we have an unhealthy view of our focus on money, it can really begin to make a huge difference in our relationships. And money can be a gateway to so many other issues. Like I'm not telling you anything that you probably don't know. Money can affect our relationships and money can be a gateway to other issues. That money becomes such a challenge in our lives and money can lead to all kinds of addictions if we're not careful. How many times have I heard people say, yeah, we, we used to be tight and then they started to get money and they changed. You ever heard that? How things change in our lives. I've watched over and over again people who as their focus becomes more on finances, they're more and more prone to make bad decisions because they're letting that be the light that comes into their eyes and it leads them to do things that are unhealthy and they don't see things clearly. Um, you ever been to the eye doctor where they dilate your eyes? You ever had that happen? I don't know if it's a sign of getting older or wiser. I think it's wiser, actually. But when they dilate my eyes now, I don't recover as quickly as I used to because I'm more wise. Are you with me? <laughs> right? It used to be they'd clear up pretty quick. Now I go a good chunk of the day just waiting to see things more clearly. Like, I can drive. I'm all right. But I gotta, I, the light bothers my eyes more when they're dilated. Anybody else? And if I go to read, it's a mess. I actually look better in the mirror. But everything else... Seems just a little off in those moments. And if our focus is not right, I think it dilates our eyes. And we can't stand the light of God's word. And we start to see things more fuzzy. And we're not really in focus on what God would want us to do. Look, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, hypocrites, be careful. Because your hypocrisy will keep you from the blessings of my kingdom. And we were all amen on that last week. This week, Jesus says, okay, materialists, be careful. Because if your treasure's in the wrong place or if your focus is in the wrong place, it will put you in a place where you will miss what God wants to do. God intends for your money to be a tool and not a treasure, agreed? He wants to work through that in our lives. He wants to bless you. But you and I have to make sure our focus is in the right place. How do we do that, Chad? How do you, how do, you do that? Let me give you two suggestions. One is what Jesus already told us. There's something beautiful about praying the Lord's Prayer. Like he set us up with that prayer. We're so familiar with the Our Father. We're so familiar with that rote verse. But what if every day we really started with, Our Father, you are the provider of everything that I have. Everything that I have comes from you, my creator. And today, your kingdom come. When I open the app to my checking account, your kingdom come. When I watch the non-performance of my stocks, anybody? <laughs> Your kingdom come. Lord, when I look at my needs, I say, give me today my daily bread. And that'll help us to focus. The second thing is not only kind of that prayer focus, 
But this, this isn't a message about giving, right? That's not what we're talking about here today. There's other passages of scripture that talk to us about giving. Malachi chapter three, 2 Corinthians chapter nine. Jesus is talking to you about your money here today. But if you were to say to me, Chad, how do I know where my treasure is? How do I know if my focus is in the wrong place? Then I'll tell you one of the best ways to know or to tell is to see if there's anything in your checkbook, if there's anything in your bank account that reflects that you're being a good steward and obedient to the things that Jesus and the scriptures tell us to do with our money. The Bible talks to us about tithing, that the first tenth of everything that God gives to us, we, we give back to him. That's kind of an Old Testament principle. It's reinforced in Matthew 23. We'll get there later where Jesus reinforces this idea of tithing. So we give the first of what we have back to him. That's, that's not necessarily something we choose to do. That's, we get to do it. That's biblical stewardship. But then Paul takes it even further. Second Corinthians chapter nine, Paul says, don't worry about that 10%. Why don't you just ask God what he would have for you to do? Because it might be more. And he loves a cheerful giver. And so he says, would you be open to that giving? But if you don't see an evidence of that, I just encourage you with this. There is possibly no greater barometer of a person's spiritual health than what kind of steward they are of the resources God has given to them. Not just money. If God's blessed you with some kind of gift or talent or ability and you'll only use it for yourself and in no way for his kingdom, then maybe you have the wrong treasure. God has put people in your, in your circle People that are in your, your orbit, let's say, that are around you are people that God wants you to not just know or use. He also wants you to show him in your life to them so that they see the difference that Jesus has made. But if you refuse to do that, then maybe your focus and your treasure is not in the right place. And this is certainly true with how we steward our finances, if we look at our bank account and there's no evidence of the fact that we honor God with obedient and faithful stewardship, well, I don't know if there's any greater barometer of a person's spiritual health than what kind of steward they are of the resources that God has given to them, which all of this, Jesus has just been warming up. If you don't like this, remember he said it, not me, amen? Right, because he says, hey, where's your treasure? Take a look at that. And then he says, where's your focus? Like, take a look at that too, because now he's gonna bring you to the choice. Now in this third paragraph, as he talks about our, our possessions, our money in Matthew chapter six, he's really gonna bring it home. Matthew chapter six, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The question that Jesus is asking here, he's asked where your treasure is and he asked what your focus is. Now he's gonna ask number three, who your master is. Who's your master? The language that Jesus uses here is deliberately tied to slavery, which of course is kind of a hot button in our culture, in our history, in our society. But before we fixate on that, we've gotta take it back to the first century, to what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't writing this in American context. He was writing this in a first century Roman context where slavery was still immoral and wrong, but it was, a, it was a different part of life there as well. And Jesus is using this language, and here's what he's highlighting. He wants you to know you can have two employers, can't you? 
Have you ever worked for two different people at the same time? Anybody? You ever had two jobs? Kind of two part-time jobs? I know what that's like. You're like, okay, I'm getting a paycheck over here, and I'm getting a paycheck over here, and I'm working for both, and I've got to keep that in mind, and I've got to mind that. You can have more than one employer, but you can only have one master. And that's the language he uses. He says, you, you can't work for God and money. You work for one or the other. Here's the language he uses. He says, no one can serve two masters. He's playing hardball here. This is extreme. He's not saying, oh yeah, you can have two employers. He says, you can only have one master. And it's one or the other. There's no compromise between the two. He literally, in that last phrase, when he says you will either serve God or money, he lines them up as rival gods. He's asking you, which one are you going to worship? Which one are you going to serve? The real God or money? He says because your choice actually becomes one or the other. I, I want to come back to this because I think this is key for us to recognize. Money can be a gift if used correctly. True? Yes or no? Yes, money can be a gift from God. It can be a blessing into your life. It can be used as a blessing into other people's lives. You see this in scripture. Read the book of Proverbs. When we live according to God's plan, he does want in many ways, financial and with health and with joy and so many things, he wants to pour out his blessings. So money can be a gift if used correctly. If it is not used correctly, you can become its slave. And so he says, you have to have a proper perspective on this. Proverbs 30, verse 7 says this. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What's the, what's the author of Proverbs say? God, give me what's just right. Well, Chad, how much is just right? All right, get out your pens and paper. I'm gonna give you the exact number. <laughs> it's different for everybody, right? It's the state of your heart. And it's the place where God's called you. Some people God will give, and this is, if you look at scripture, he will give to some people the spiritual gift of giving and with the spiritual gift of giving, he will provide the spiritual resource for the channel for that giving. God will do different things in our lives, even in different seasons. Some of you have known seasons of little and seasons of plenty. And both of those all in God's timing in any seasons. So I don't know that there's a right number, and that's not what Jesus is trying to get to here. What Jesus is trying to get to here is not how much or how little, it's what's going on here. Where's your treasure? What's your focus? Who's your master? Because if you're struggling with those two, if you're trying to serve both God and money, we, we want a stable, secure investment with our lives, true? <laughs> but if you're trying to serve God and money, watch what James tells us about that kind of thinking. James chapter one, verse eight says, such a person is double-minded. When you're double-minded, when you're trying to serve God and money, you're unstable in all you do. And this is key for us to see how God lines this up for us. And look, this isn't just money. This is where Jesus is bringing it in. For some of you, the thing that you hold on to as a rival God is not money. It could be all kinds of things. It could be a relationship. It could be your identity. It could be your job. 
It could be so many different things that you make the center of your life even more than God, and that becomes your treasure. That becomes your focus. That becomes the thing that truly is your master. And I don't mean this to be critical or harsh because it's really an easy thing to do because blessings are wonderful, aren't they? Aren't they? <clears throat> but if we become too focused on our blessings, it'll do us in. In the, in the country of Georgia, not the state of Georgia, but in the country of Georgia, they love to feast and have good food. Not just the country of Georgia. I guess that's true about the state of Georgia. Anybody been to Chick-fil-A? You know what I'm talking about, right? But, but in the country of Georgia, that's a big deal. And they have a word that they will use. You can't just translate it. You have to kind of describe it. The word, and I know I'm going to mess it up when I say it, but the word is shamamachama. Shamama chama. Say that with me. Shamama chama. Let me give you the definition of shamama chama. Here it is. It's when you are full, but you continue eating. Can I get an amen? Shamama chama. They say you literally, this is how they describe it. You overdose on food. It's when, and I love this, I love this statement. It's when you didn't intend to eat so much, but you accidentally did. Shamama chama. Usually it's when something tasted so good that you couldn't resist. You blame it on the food, not the eater, but on the food because the food tasted so good. One more time, say it with me. Shamama chama. And we do that with our blessings. Right? A blessing comes our way and we're just, oh, I love this. And pretty soon we're intoxicated with the blessing and we forget about the blesser and we fail to see the damage that it's actually doing to our lives. And Jesus says, wake up, friends. I got so much I want to give you in my kingdom. I got so much I want to bless you with. But if you let the things of this earth become your treasure and your focus and even your master, it's gonna keep you from those blessings. Real quick, let me show you um, three passages of scripture. They're gonna help us here. Why is this so important? Because if your money does not serve God, then your money will become the God you serve. If when you look at that app on your phone and you see your bank account, if when you think about your budget and somehow God has not factors, factors into this, as the master in your life, as the treasure in your life, if God doesn't work his way into your finances, if your money does not serve God, then your money will become the God that you serve. So, so Jesus is having a conversation in Mark chapter 10 with a guy who we often refer to as the rich young ruler. Have you ever heard of him? We've kind of tagged some things on him, but this guy comes, wants to know how he can follow Jesus, how he can have eternal life. And watch what Jesus says. Jesus looked at him Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. What does that mean? Jesus saw this guy and he knows his heart and he knows the struggle that's there. He knows that this guy wants to follow Jesus, but there are things that he can't get out of the way so that he can follow Jesus with his whole heart. One thing you lack, Jesus said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
Like this wasn't prescriptive, just so you know. Jesus isn't saying to all of us that we must go do that same thing if we're gonna follow him. What Jesus was saying was he looked right at this guy and he said, I I know what it is that keeps you from making me your master. I know what it is that, that until you move it out of the way, you can never really follow me. For some of you, it might be money. For some of you, it might be your past. You, you hold on so tight to the things in your past that you can't truly follow Jesus. Some of you have put other people ahead of him. Some of you have put sin ahead of him. Jesus is just honing in on one thing here, but it's, it's true for all of us. Jesus looks at him and he sees his heart and he knows this guy wants to do what's right, but he knows there's this one thing that he can't move out of the way so that God can really bless him. And Jesus, watch what, watch what we see happens next. Verse 22, at this the man's face fell. Then he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's not just a word to the rich. That's a word to all of us who have something else that we've made our master. Another passage of scripture real quick. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. The author of Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money. That's an interesting distinction, right? Does he say keep your lives free from money? Yes or no? (laughs) No, but he says the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Does the author of Hebrews say that money's bad? No, he says money's bad when you love it so much that your confidence is in your money and not in the one who gave it to you. When your money is what you hold on to instead of the giver of every good and perfect gift. That's when there's an issue. Last one, Paul helps us when he writes to Timothy and he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who wanna get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What's Paul saying to Timothy? Timothy, be careful. Because if you love money so much that that becomes your focus, you literally go down a path to destruction. Tim, Timbo, that's what Paul called him. Timbo, the, the money isn't the issue. It's the heart. If your confidence is in anything but God, then that becomes your master. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is saying, I want you to live in my kingdom. And it's better than you realize. As we get into the rest of chapter six, as we get into chapter seven, Jesus is gonna tell us how rich life is in the kingdom, how much he wants to bless you, how much he wants you to know the life that is full. But he says, be careful of these things that'll keep you from my blessings. Because if your treasure and your focus and your master is not right, until you move those things out of the way, you'll never have the real blessings that I wanna bring to you. Ron and I were out of town for a couple of days this week and we went to visit our 
our daughter, Kristen, and son-in-law, Daniel, and uh, spend some time with them. We love them very much, but we don't go to see them. They have a six-month-old named Lewis, and we go to see Lewis. So we were there, we were hanging out, and Lewis is, is old enough now to where he's like, he's kind of like sitting up. So we're sitting at the table, and he's just kind of chilling in the high chair, just watching things. And he's starting to have that curiosity to go, you really like what you're eating. Shamama chama, right? And he's like, I think that's what he said, actually. He might have said that. And, and uh, so, you know, it's going on. So Carissa, who is just an awesome mom, this is the season where they start to eat cereal. Do you know what I'm talking about? That kind of, so she's mixing up a little of this stuff for him. And he, he's got his grandfather's gene of liking, <laughs> yes, bring the food, you know, kind of thing. So, so um, she's feeding him and he's, 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 it's fun, you know, he's doing this thing. But he's developed this little habit I don't think it's unique to him, but like whenever he's hungry, whenever he's tired, or when he's just kind of wanting to like be chill kind of thing, he, he takes, do you know how that, that sign that's like, I love you? He does this, except he takes these two fingers and he sticks them in his mouth. Now I'm not gonna do it because I shook hands with some of you earlier, but he, he does this thing like this, where he's got the two in his mouth and the rest is like this. They call it his, I love you suck. Isn't that cute? Yeah, he's so cute. And he does this. And so what happens is that's kind of, that's, it's cute and it's where he goes for comfort, you know, and he kind of does this. So last night, Chris is trying to feed him, but in between every bite, he goes right back to this. And she's like, you got it. You got to get that out of the way. Like she's having to work to, because she's, she's going to bless him. She's literally going to nourish him. But his natural response, whether it's because he's cute or he finds comfort in it, is to go right back to right and she has to say to him hey buddy you you got to get that out of the way so that i can give you the blessing that your creator wants to give to you i don't know what it is for you jesus hones in here on money but this principle goes so much further in our lives is there anything that you treasure more than him is there a focus in your life that's causing you not to see the world clearly? Is there something that has become your master that you couldn't even move it out of the way if God wanted to bless you? And if so, there's no better time than today to say, God, all, it's all yours, all to you. You can have it all. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Whether you're in this room, maybe you're not a Torium 2, you're listening to this, you're watching this on a screen somewhere. And, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about someplace, some area in your life. I'm not gonna ask you to stand, raise a hand, name it, high five your neighbor. I, just, would you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for a moment? Who's just saying to you, can you move it out of the way so I can bless you? Would you move it out of the way so you can have a treasure that will last? Will you focus on me so I can help you to see clearly? Will you experience life in my kingdom? Because it's life like no other. And some of us, we're gonna sing a song that's gonna be our prayer today and it just says, Lord, you can have it all. Some of us need to, maybe for the first time or maybe for the thousandth time, say, Jesus, it's yours. 
And maybe you've never come to a point or it's been a long time since you've come to a point where you say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. And that's why he died on the cross. And I need hope and purpose in my life. That's, that's available because Jesus rose again. He's alive. And some of us simply need to say, Jesus, I give you my life today to start that relationship with him. No better time than right now. And so, Lord, in this moment, our prayer is that you can have it all. Lord, every part of our lives, we give it all to you. You are our treasure. You are our focus. We make you the master of our lives and open to all that you want to give to us. You can have it all, Lord. In Jesus' name. You can Amen. have it all. Would you stand as we sing this together? Make it your prayer. Every part of my world. And take this life and breathe on. This heart that is now yours. You can have it all. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Come on, make that your prayer. Say you can have it all.
of looking into each one of our hearts and shining a light on the things that, that we need to hear and see from you. Lord, right now, some of, some of us need our eyes and ears opened to hear what you're trying to say and a willingness to know that it, it may be at points throughout this next week or two that you're gonna illuminate some things and help us to see ways that we can make you our treasure, where you're our focus, where we live with you as the one who leads us and guides us. You're our Lord, you're our master. Lord, may we be open to this so that we can see the fullness of your blessing and your presence and your joy and your peace and your grace in our families, in our church, in our lives and overflow into the world. Lord, you can have it all. We give it all to you, Lord. Help us to see and hear from your spirit as you lead us every day. Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.